Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mirror man, mirror man, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good evening and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast, a new format. This is the night shift. I'm here with man like Matt Candela. Um, we're both in America. It's late night. We're kicking back with a non-alcoholic beverage right now. Um, Matt, why are we doing this? What's going on? Yeah, I mean, there's just so much There's so much going on in the season. There's no way we can cram it all into, you know, 60 or 80 minutes uh, on a weekend. We need... Uh, to express ourselves we need to get it all out um, so this is just our chance it's the night shift it's gritty it's dirty uh, it's it's uncensored uh, and I'm excited for it yeah I think that there needs to be an AOP outlet to laugh at other teams to talk about some of the goings-on uh, in the football culture and to just air, air the topics that you know when we're absolutely flying high after an Arsenal game, you don't really get the chance to talk about it. It doesn't seem fitting. But a Thursday night with the lights down, both of us sitting in a, in a lower level floor, um, I'm feeling like this is going to be a good show. And we've already got 23 people in the room. 23 people. Uh, this is like a, one of those fancy um, comedy venues in the West Village. Underground, candlelit. Dave Chappelle showed up. And he's playing to 23 people, right? Bit you too much. over ourselves. Only- yeah, you only hear about it. You know, you've got to be like tuned in at the right moment. I love it. Yeah, well, welcome Huggy Bear, Hans Yumi, Jack Sessions, and 25 other people. So we're going to have a good one tonight. Um, Matt, I'm not going to mess around today. I'm going to I'm going to get that uh, I'm going to get that hot take buzzer going. Hottest of takes. Hottest of takes. Three hottest of takes. The AOP hottest of takes. Make it spicy. Is it going to be the buzzer? Well, we are having some technical difficulties. If this ends up just being me chatting on my own again, this is going to be a uh, an interesting show. But I like chatting to myself. Um, the hottest of takes this week is I'm glad that we don't have European football this year. Um, we've just seen West Ham go away to Belgium in the Conference League, in the Europa Conference League, and they've drawn to Ghent. Uh, Man United have had an arduous 2-2 draw against a far weaker side. Chelsea have uh, have been served by Real Madrid and Manchester City have had a good game against Bayern Munich. But at what cost? But at what cost? Um, I, I think that we, we do need to go back to a few weeks ago when we were all arguing over whether Arsenal should have taken the Europa League a little bit more seriously. There, were chat, there was chat in the system that um, Arteta disrespected that trophy. And I just think, like, let's just go back. What happened in that game? We lost William Saliba and we lost Tommy Asu. Um, one's out for the season um, and had to have surgery. And the other one, we're not really quite sure about. So I'm feeling pretty good that Arsenal have just spent a whole week fine dining. Um, oh, here he is. Matt Candela's back. What happened there? 
That was insane. I was getting ready for the spiciest of hot takes, and then my whole browser and Wi-Fi went down. So I'm joining on phone until I get that up and running. But uh, I've missed your I've missed your hottest of takes. My hottest of takes was all about not being in the Europa League, not being in the Europa Conference, and watching. Literally, it felt like every single English club struggle. Right? I can't believe you've just stolen my hottest of takes that we were talking. Is that where you were going? Oh, that is, that is, well, you know, I, I guess I've got no excuses. You, de- you deserved it for having bad Wi-Fi. I, I do deserve it. I do deserve it. Yeah. I mean, some people just seem equipped to play multiple games a week. And I think that was the terrifying thing about Manchester City is that it just looks so easy for them. Um, but for teams who are probably close to us in terms of uh, squad size, uh ability to withstand rigour and all of those, which I think we're closer to Man United than Manchester City in terms of our ability to play multiple games a week. And you've just seen just how the fatigue creeps in, how hard it is to do it. And there's going to be so much work needed in the summer to get us to transition from where we are now to a team that does what what those teams do. But yeah, English clubs have, have, have had it very, very tough going this week indeed. Last time we played the European game, Matt, we lost William Saliba and we lost Tommy Asu. So I'm feeling pretty positive um, about not being in that trophy this week. And also the benefits of Mikel Arteta having a week with his team, right? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to look and say, what are, what are the superpowers of this current Arsenal team? And of course, you know, we have incredible players, but I think one of our superpowers is, is our incredible coach and his ability is his tactical acumen. And I think what he will be doing uh, all week is coming up with a game plan, uh, drilling it into the players and identifying uh, how we can go and beat West Ham this weekend. And I know that West Ham didn't play a full-strength team, but I think that, and we were talking about it earlier, they are still talking about getting in the, in the, in the Conference League all week until tomorrow morning whereas we have literally had four days all week to be talking about West Ham and when you think about the advantage that we have on paper already in terms of our players and then you add that I really feel like we're in a really really strong place for for for, for the weekend I agree I agree okay all right we've got a few topics that we're going to gear up um maybe get one of those little earbuds in getting a little bit reverb your end um um, Manchester United played at home to Sevilla uh, this evening. And my next topic is going to be Eric Ten Emery. Mr. Ten Hag got a little bit mouthy. I think he started to believe his own hype. A lot of arrogance set in. He said a few things that didn't really look too good with the karmic gods. And um, he they were taught a bit of a lesson by Sevilla today. Never underestimate a team that absolutely adores being in the Europa League. Um, Matt, what did you make of the performance? Uh, a two-goal lead, Sabitza two goals, and then two own goals uh, that undone them right at the death. Uh, what does that say about where Man United are as a club right now? Well, it's I just can't get over all the similarities to Unai Emery's first season. Do you remember when we went on that absolutely astonishing 20-plus game unbeaten run? We were olaying, we were saying we've got our Arsenal back, we were odds on for top four, we were progressing very nicely indeed um, in the Europa League. 
And then it all came crashing down at the end of the season. And there'd always been that fear because statistically it was being demonstrated that we were outperforming our XG and people were saying, well, 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 just wait until, you know, you, re you regress to the mean. And then we were all like, oh, but it doesn't matter. It feels good. It's 20 games unbeaten. It's just the way it is. And then the inevitable happened, which was we regressed to the mean. And I feel like exactly the same thing's happening. I think we played them when they were in their hottest of hot streaks. But when you think about it, Marcus Rashford, I mean, he was unplayable for that period. But now, look, he's burnt out. He's overplayed. He's been poorly managed by Ten Hag. Uh, he's now out for a few games. He's lost that form. And they're dropping uh, very, very quickly. So... I fully expect them to not make the Champions League through the league and I fully expect them to not win the Europa League. And then you're in like, you're in the position that Unai Emery found himself in, which means you lose one of your first two or three games next season and suddenly everyone wants you out. It's so crazy how things, how quickly things change in this league. And, um, and I think he's, he's going to find himself under some real pressure now. Yeah, Lissandro Martinez out with an injury. Marcus Rashford out with an injury. Uh, the, Ten Hag has been playing the same team uh, week after week. And I do think that the bit, like, firstly, Ten Hag is not a young manager. Like, everyone's like this young buck coming through. He's like 50 years old. Uh, he's not a young manager. He's always managed in weak leagues. And when you manage Ajax, there are only two other good teams that you're competing against. And the standard below IX um, is pretty poor because there's no money in the Dutch league. So you, you are basically what Arsenal were in 1998. You're, you're playing um, 16 other teams and it's like playing pub teams. So you turn up, smash them, and then you're fresh for the weekend. Or in this case, you're fresh for Europe. And that's not the same in the Premier League. Every single game in the Premier League is tough. Every single side now in 2023, they have three or four top-class players that you wouldn't have dreamed of being at Crystal Palace um, 15 years ago. And Ten Hag's come in, and he's treating Manchester United like it's Ajax. Same team week after week, um, over-reliance on players. Uh, and then they get injured, and he starts blaming luck. Sorry, Eric, that's not luck. That's, uh, that's, that's poor fitness management on your part. And I'm glad that he's starting to come unstuck. Because there's no point in having a great run just after December if you can't keep it up. This is the business end of the season. And which team doesn't have European football that we hate? Spurs. And like their, their new managers just coming in and you know, they, they were lucky to, to beat Brighton, but they don't have a really difficult run in Spurs. And I don't know, like after, after Ten Hag cursed us, um, part of me wonders whether... Uh, I'd be okay with Spurs getting in the back door at the expense of Man United. I don't know. Like, who, who are we more threatened by long-term, Spurs or United? Well, I think the dream scenario is that it's... Um, is, yeah, I think, I, think it's, I think it's a good question. I think, I think it's just funnier if Spurs don't get in and just, like, put them down, put them out of their misery. I think it's okay for United to go in, I think. That, that, would be, that would be my take anyway. I, I don't really want Tottenham in there. Although you could also argue that Tottenham are just always going to be a shambles and you throw a bit of Champions League football in there next year and, and like, you're almost guaranteeing that they can't make any progress anywhere. I mean, when you look at that table, Matt, 
are Aston Villa really a threat to Manchester United? Can can nine points be made up? Wow. I didn't realise they were that close. I knew that there'd been talk today of what an incredible job he's done. Henry Winter, for some reason, is a is a real Unai Emery obsessive. Uh, he loves talking about him. I'm not, not quite sure what's gone on there. Um, and um, look... Momentum's a funny old thing. I'd need to look at the fixtures. Um, I would never say never, but I think it's I think it's unlikely that they're going to both topple. I think it was, if it was just one of those two teams, they had to topple, and they could just rely on one team being out of form. But I don't think they can rely on both Spurs and Manchester United uh, having a poor end to the season. Although neither of them are shaping up well. Manchester United, lots of games. They're out on their legs. They're missing Rashford. They're missing Martinez. And then Spurs don't even have a coach. So, wow. I hadn't really thought of it like that. But well, that would be very, very funny if, if Aston Villa crept into that into that top four spot. Um, well, why don't you look one space below, Matt, uh, Aston Villa. Brighton, 46 points. They've got two games in hand. Um, that would take the one point behind Spurs. What do we think about that? And their fixtures are um, Chelsea, City, United. So they can, it's a six-pointer. They've got two games against United because one's in the FA Cup. Um, Wolves, Forest. I mean, Brighton have got a pretty decent run in, Matt. I mean, I love the way you're saying that Brighton have got a decent run in. It sounds even worse than ours. They're playing the best team in the league and they're playing Manchester City. So, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't want to have those two games in my run-in where I'm looking for, for, for a great result. I do think it's interesting the way you judge a run-in when it's someone else's team versus your own team. And I, and I think I saw something about this where you're like, oh, Forest away, that's a really tricky game. And then when it's Manchester City are playing Forest, you're like, oh, easy three points, they're going to hit six. So we have, a diff- we have sort of a bias when it comes to the way we look at these fixtures. But I like Deserby. Um, but I think they probably needed to beat Tottenham last week, which they obviously deserved to do if they were going to go and really, really challenge for that spot. But it may be, and I, and I hate to say this, but imagine if Arsenal miss out on the league by two points, by one or two points. So imagine if Brighton miss out by one to three points and those Pogmol errors are not just, you know... The, the apology won't go too far if ultimately they could have changed the destiny of both the whole Premier League Championship and the Champions League spots. And that's, I've just got a feeling there's more controversy to come on those and imagine the, the, uh, imagine the ramifications of that if those two decisions and those two games, which, which were absolutely outrageous, decide the fate of the, of the title and, and Champions League this year. I think Brighton have had quite a lot of bad decisions all season, if we're totally honest. Uh, I don't know I don't know what the referees have against them, but they seem to have something against the teams that play beautiful football, apart from Manchester City. Yeah, I mean, we've been on the wrong end, for sure, more than anyone, in my opinion. But, I mean, this is an Arsenal podcast, and I'm incredibly biased. But you do have to say... Um, we, we've been, we've been, we've been, we've been very unfortunate, and I think it does raise that whole point of like, an apology is all, all good and well, but when you're dealing in the stakes we're dealing with, it's just not enough. It's just we're just going to have to figure out 
a solution and we need to go back it reminds me of all those years ago when Arsene Wenger replayed the game against Sheffield United because of uh, poor sportsmanship well are we ever going to get into a case where a game has to be replayed because the stakes are clearly so high could that happen in say an Arsenal-Manchester City game one day do you know yeah, I do. I do wonder. I do wonder about that. Uh, but or, or like retroactively giving teams points. But I, 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 it'd be too complicated, wouldn't it? I don't think you can do it retroactively. But I do think we could end up in a position where a game got replayed. Um, I think it would require a perfect storm of an absolutely insane decision that made that just really looks corrupt. Um, I think it would need to be a very high-profile game. Um, it would need to be managers who sort of typically tend to try and uphold the values of the game. And I think it would need an outpouring by fans that went far beyond the fans of just the club involved. It would need to be wider. It would need to be a, we can't trust this system because it's so broken when these types of things are happening. So a lot of things would have to happen, but they could, they could. All right, let's talk about our next, um, our next topic. And um, can you get your laptop going? That's what I'm trying to do. Um, Chelsea lols. Um, I know that you've got some very serious friends in your life, Matt, that um, are Chelsea fans. We thought when uh, when Todd Bowley came uh, came into town, spent an absolute ton of money on Chelsea, that maybe he was just going to be Roman Abramovich Mark II. Well, he certainly has been from a spending perspective. Um, but maybe not from a strategic one. Um, let's just remind ourselves that Todd Bowley's big um, big white space moment where he identified an opportunity um, to take advantage of a Premier League that wasn't, um, that, that wasn't strategizing with its eyes wide open was uh, massive uh, eight-year deals and paying double what anybody else would in the market for young players that totally lack experience. There was a moment where our inner championship managers um, did wonder. Enzo Fernandez played like six games for Benfica. Maybe he's going to come and be the 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 new Kante, um, the new Pirlo. Um, we wondered if Mudrick was going to hit the ground running. Any team that spends £100 million on a wide man should expect um, six or seven goals. He's He's not even got one shot on target so far, Matt. Um, and I'm struggling to even remember some of the other players that they bought for £30 million plus. And then you had some other bits that you thought were quite amusing this week. They went to Real Madrid after hiring Frank Lampard, three shots on target, seven attempts, and they were beaten 2-0 by one of the oldest teams in the Champions League. What did you make of uh, Top Bowley's performance this week? And what do you make of his performance overall as an owner? I mean, it's better than anyone could have ever hoped for. He's a total and utter joke um i think he's doing everything that you don't want to do from an owner i don't think you want to see an owner really front and center all the time i think even abramovich managed it quite well of course he was such a big overbearing personality but you didn't tend to see him making brash outlandish statements verbally um you know he'd do that just by spending a lot of players but you know, it reminded me of an early Abramovich era story where, not story, but when he went out in the transfer market and he just bought such phenomenal players. 
And, you know, from the outside, you just sort of had your head in your hands because you were like, fucking hell, he just bought so many good players. There was that summer, I think, they bought, you know, they had Damien Duff. And I can't, I'm getting the years mixed up, but they bought Damien Duff. They bought Ian Robin. They bought Peter Cech. They bought Makaleli. They bought all these, like, players. And you're like, those players are just legitimate players. And it's only a matter of time before they take over the Premier League. There's just nothing you can do when you're buying players of that quality. Todd Bowley has basically spent way more than Abramovich did at that time. But you just know from, from and, and football's changed as well, that the players that he's brought in are nowhere near that level. And so it's sort of joyous in a way because it just seems like such an insane amount of money to spend on so many promising but average players who many of whom I just think are going to end out on loan, many of whom who my perspective is they're no better than what they've already got. That's the weirdest thing about it. They've got good players at Chelsea. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's sort of, so, that's also weird. Um, so, so yeah, it's, 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 it's sort of hilarious what's, what's going on. And, Normally, you, there is a sense that when you spend that much money, things will generally work their way out because, you know, you've just got enough talent and enough cash to make it work. But in this case, you feel like while he's around, you know, we talk about chaos in a positive way at Arsenal, when we're, specifically when we're talking about the way we play and players like Gabby Jesus. But they've got a different type of chaos at Chelsea. It's not a positive, productive chaos it's a, it's a sort of paralysis of chaos. And, um, you know, long, long may it continue for us Arsenal fans. Yeah, it's amazing that you can spend, what, £600 million. £600 million. Uh, 400 in one window. And still be short a goalkeeper. And still be short a striker. And I honestly can't remember who they bought. Because they just they just went like they went off a shopping list of like the the, the Twitter tacticos the players that they like they just went all in, and um, Mudrick for a hundred million looks absolutely bizarre um, at this moment in time. Enzo for a hundred and twenty million or a hundred and ten as well at like absolute insanity. And you were saying earlier that there's a rumor going around that Chelsea have extended his deal to nine and a half years, and you're like, what? What is going on here? What is going on? And, well, you've um, sort of got this weird situation where, you know, it reminds me of those like Onion articles and then you're just never quite sure whether it's real life or satire because it's just there's sort of a, a proximity to the two of them. And it's sort of like this. It's sort of like you hear these headlines and I think that's why journalists and newspapers are having a field day because they can say something like James Corden told Todd Bowley to install Frank Lampard and you're sort of like yeah that that sort of makes sense rather than you know if they said James Corden uh you know told Vinay to hire you're just gonna know it's not true it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Yeah, the the interesting thing with Chelsea now is the the, the strategy was basically if we throw four hundred million at Chelsea, we're going to win five Champions Leagues in a row. That's the strategy. If you get that right, you go well. That looked like value for money. You've won five Champions Leagues. You go down to the history books. You've in, you've increased your your revenue by X percent. Um, fans are paying four thousand pounds a seat. Like every, everything's going well for you. But when you take that strategy and you load a squad up with 33 players, you're basically fast forwarding what happened to Arsenal. You're going to have a whole bunch of un- unhappy players in the squad. You've already got inexperienced players and inexperienced players don't know how to manage uh, the ups and downs. You know, it's, it, it, when you're 21, you don't have any experience of what it's like to sit on the bench or what it's like to not be in the squad. You don't know how to manage your emotions. So that causes all sorts of friction. But the funny thing is, um, in baseball, if I have X player and I don't like him, I can ship him off to anywhere. I just I just sell the contract. Sell the contract and you're gone. I don't care if you don't like Dakota. I don't care if you don't like Washington State. You're gone. Because you can exchange contracts. You can do that in the MLS as well. Like Players don't even know that they're gone. And bang, they're off. I don't know whether Todd Bowley realizes that if you've got a player on a nine-year deal and he doesn't want to go, he doesn't have to go. And if that player doesn't want to go back to Ukraine or play in Portugal or go down to the championship, they can just sit there and they can see out their contract and there's absolutely nothing you can do. Then that means that you can't upgrade players. And the only way to get out of those situations is pay off their deals. And this was one of the things I was writing about this the other day, Matt. Graham Potter signed a five-year deal worth $55 million. And he got booted out of that deal. He got, boot- he got booted out of that deal after six months. And the Chelsea media came out and they said, oh, Graham, Graham Potter didn't get the full five years of his deal. I want to ask you, Matt, because you're close to people that are close to Chelsea. Is this just a leak? Is this a PR leak? Is this a face-saving leak again? Because if I'm if I'm Graham Potter, I've left a great job at Brighton. I've I've got a career on an upward trajectory. I'm everybody's darling because I play exceptional football and I beat big teams. But I'll go to Chelsea and I'll take I'll take the money at Chelsea. I'll take the I'll take the 11 million a year on a five-year deal, and I'm making you give me a five-year deal because there's a chance that you might fire me early. Then he gets fired early. Can you see Graham Potter saying, I'll only take one year. I'll take 13 million. Why would he do that? You've been I've heard, humiliated. I've heard a rumour, and it is only a rumour, and this is not fact. Um, but I think it's a pretty accurate rumour. And that is that Graham Potter wanted to leave. Really? I mean, he didn't look like a man who was enjoying himself. He looked completely broken. Um, he was already talking about mental health the job was clearly too big for him um, and I think it was probably an opportunity for everyone to move on um, clearly it's not ideal you know for anyone it was it was it was bad optics so in that sense I think it was a bit of a a bit of a blessing for all parties but I mean how do you create an environment where managers, want to leave top tier clubs. <laughs> like, I mean, 
I'd be if I was if I was Graham Potter's agent, I would be furious. I'd be like, you go and do what Conte did down the road. Go and do what Conte did down the road, and you sit on your hands and you just you sit through it and you let me negotiate your way out. If you if you dare say that you want to leave, I'm gonna smack you, I'm gonna smack your wrists so hard, my friend. I can't believe that he'd leave. All that money on the table. You're you're, you're set for life. But but don't you think that's sort of it feels real, Potter. It was. I mean, he comes across as quite a decent bloke, um, and I think what we've seen, especially at the, I mean, to be an elite Premier League manager, you basically have to be a psychopath, like like a really good one. Uh, a good, think, you must be a good psychopath. I <laughs> know oh, to be a really good manager, you have to be a bit of a psychopath. You know, I think, even, I think even, Miguel Arteta is a little bit insane. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, he's a little he, bit. Little I mean, bit he, crazy. when if you get on the wrong side of him, he will destroy you. I mean, I think the Obama Yang staff, the Ozil staff, you know, not enough was, is said about Obama Yang's exit from Arsenal. He came back a day late tending to his sick mother. I <laughs> and know. Arteta was like, You're done, my friend. And everyone's like, Well, that, I mean, I agree. I agree. It's like, What? And even like the, the the less elite Premier League managers, David, the David Moyes, the Aladiches, uh, the Pulises, I mean, they're also they're not exactly angels either. They've all they're all got a very very nasty side. Whereas Graham Potter just seemed like a genuinely nice guy, and I think that was probably part of his downfall because he was managing forty uh, extremely privileged, coddled professionals, uh, many of whom have won everything in the game. I just don't think he could handle it. But, you know, very few people could have. Oh, do you know what, though? It wouldn't, it, it wouldn't matter how bad the job was for me, how much my mental health was taking a toll. I would never walk away from £55 million. I'd sit there forever. I wouldn't care. Ruin me. Absolutely ruin me. I'm taking that money. Well, the thing is, it's like he must have just been looking at the fixtures going... <laughs> there's no way I'm seeing this death spiral out. You know, Real Madrid, they've got Brighton, they've got Manchester City coming up, they've got Arsenal. I mean, and and what's even funnier is they've just got Lampard in basically just to absorb the punches, haven't they? Because you can't you can't bring in a new coach with the team in disarray and that run because otherwise they're on the back foot going into the summer. I think that's the biggest reason. It's like there's going to be more damage and it's like better to just get a club legend to just soak it up who no one really rates as a manager anyway he's like a human punch bag <laughs> I, but it, I thought he was I thought he was starting to get a tune out of Chelsea I thought he was starting to get a bit of a tune yeah and his system takes a while to get into place I mean how how bad must the environment the environment have been down there how how much um must ownership have been on top of him I mean they they chewed up Thomas Tuchel and they spat him out as well yeah, I mean, look, I think the general sense that I got from, from my friends who are, who are a bit closer to the action than I am was uh, the management want to be involved and they want yes men. Thomas Tuchel is a fucking tactical genius, but if you think he was going to, you know, I think that's the classic case. It's like, why didn't Graham Potter stop Bowley and Igbali buying all these players? Well, I think if he tried to stop them, he'd end up the same place as Thomas Thomas Tuchel, you know. Um, 
So there's well, not a lot. Think you can of the, ex- the insanity of Boley and Egbali as well. Like, what are you doing, guys? Who are you listening to? What What is uh, you know if if I got into baseball, I was like, Shh, I, I love baseball. You know, I, I watch the Cardinals here. Like, I love it. It's it's great fun. I have no idea what's going on, really. I couldn't tell you what a good player is. I could not tell you what a good player is. And if I got a billion, if I had 10 billion pounds and they were like, go nuts, what what are you going to do? I would find the best expert and give him the money to go and spend. And, you know, how much experience you've got? 20 years. How many World Series you've won? I've run 10. You go and spend my money. This idea that these guys went into a sport they have no knowledge about and they're just like, Arsenal want Mudrick. I mean, it does feel like Arsenal wanted Mudrick is the reason that they signed Mudrick. And now he doesn't fit into the system. And um, I've been speaking to people in the game and they're like, Nkunku is coming in from um, Leipzig and he plays the same position. He's a, he's a very similar player to Mudrick. So you've got £160 million worth of raw talent playing in the same position. What a nightmare that's going to cause. What a waste of capital. Yeah, I mean... The whole thing's absolutely bonkers. Um, Where do you, you see this going, Matt? Where do you see this going? Like, does it just get better because if you throw enough money at something, or are we beyond those years in the Premier League? I think we're in a we're in a moment in a time when structures and systems went out. I think Graham Potter was clearly the wrong hire because Graham Potter was a trust the process hire, but you don't trust the process when you're spending six hundred million. It's you've spent 600 million now go and win shit. Um, especially when you throw 600 million on a team that won the Champions League 18 months previously. So I think they'll, recor- I think they'll correct that mistake. I think they'll buy a ready-built manager. I think they'll go for like a Luis Enrique type player. But the thing about it is they're so bonkers, they might go for another experimental manager. They might go for Frank Lampard. I've got no idea because they're oh, so... They're so insane. Um, I think the craziest thing of all is the one manager who I think I, I think is an incredible manager is Thomas Thomas Tuchel. I think I think he's I think uh, the way he set his team up against Manchester City, I thought it, it was Arteta would have been taking notes on that because I thought he set them up perfectly and they were undone by individual errors, but they were the better team for a period before. They folded. Thank you um, for but, saying that, Matt. I don't. I don't feel like the internet was paying attention to that. No, no, no. He was. He was undone by a left foot, a wrong-footed strike from thirty yards by a player who doesn't score goals like that. And as a manager, you can't really mitigate against that. And I think, as as we're as fans, we're becoming more educated in football tactics, and you can see. So, it's like the crazy thing about it is they got rid of one of the best coaches in the world. <laughs> So where do you go? Because he because he didn't want to sign Cristiano Ronaldo, who just tanked United from second to seventh. I think just for, I don't know. I think it was just for not being a yes man, of which that might have been one contributory factor. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't I don't know where they go from here. But it's like when you move at such pace to them, um, it just takes a while to to undo those types of mistakes because they've just got to sell so many players. They've got financial fair play to worry about. Uh, You know, what are they going to do with all of these players? And the thing about the Premier League is the Premier League is ruthless. They will do everything to make it as difficult as possible to offload those players easily because they know that that bloated team is, is a millstone 
around the neck of the club, both from a wages perspective, from an ability to create a cohesive team. Like you, a coach can't come, if a coach comes in, they're going to spend half, the first half of the summer trying to figure out what to do with all these players before they can even start working with the ones they've got. So, you know, they've moved so quickly and it's, it's sort of an interesting approach, this like move, move fast. I always thought the traditional approach of a, like a CEO of a leader is, you know, you don't make too many rash decisions and you get the lay of the land and you try and figure out what the fuck is going on. Um, and then you've got this new breed and I'd say Elon Musk is one of those. And I'm, I'm an Elon Musk fan, uh, even though uh, I don't agree with a lot of what he does, but he's gone into say Twitter and is also he's done he's done a bowling. Uh, the only difference is he I think he he's he has a better understanding of how a, how a company like that works. But he's just gone and started fucking tearing things up. But I'm not a fan of it. I just don't think there was any need. I think he could have come in, he could have given Thomas Tuchel the, the whole season. Um, I think he could have fired him at the end of the season. Could have could have done whatever. But it would have just, I mean, wouldn't you want a year of just seeing how everything works, to play all the games, to see all of that stuff before getting into it? You would, yeah. And he, he took over a well-oiled machine, cleared out all of the exec team, um, cleared out all of the technical staff, cleared out experienced players like Jorginho, and just cobbled together like this weird kind of uh, fantasy team of like hype hype managers and hype players i really don't i really don't know how they solve it and it'll be interesting because um some people are saying that they want to get an experienced manager in and i can't think of too many experienced managers on the market that would fit the mold i mean what what do you go for like you you've got all of these young players and a manager like luis enrique is a is a galactico manager you've got oliver glasner who's, um, you know, 48 years old. He's a Frankfurt manager. But is he going to be a big enough name to handle the media? Julian Nagelsmann couldn't handle the media and didn't have a big enough personality for Bayern Munich at this particular stage of his career. And I just can't believe that, you know, when people like Rafa Honigstein are saying that he should probably go to a club where he is not the main man and he's protected, I don't think Chelsea's that club that you go for. And then what manager is going to look at that massive squad and say, yeah, I want a piece of that, especially after seeing the way that they treated Graham Potter. And like, I know that people are saying that, you know, it's a Graham Potter had a personality problem. I don't think he, I don't think he did. I don't think he did. I think that that got, um, people said Arteta had a personality problem at the start. People said that he was too small for Arsenal and that he wasn't good at handling egos. And then he got, he got a little bit of time and it turned out that actually he's incredible at handling egos because he's the biggest ego at the club. But Graham <laughs> yeah. Potter just took that, oh, he's a nice lad, on the shoulder and people ran with it and that will live with him forever. He'll never yeah. escape that reputation. You know who I would go for if I was Chelsea? Sven Joran Eriksson. No. Not Sven Joran Eriksson. Have a guess at what I'm going to say. Oh, you're not going to say Arsene Wenger? No, 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 I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Bring Arsene out of retirement. Uh, I've got no idea. Conte. Oh, I mean, because I mean, he's an absolute asshole. He's a massive savage, yeah. He's a, <laughs> and I think he'd just go. There's enough players to 
to, to, to build a like, they're sort of structured in that way get those wing backs going back three Reese James on the right they've got about 18 centre halves pick the best three put the others out to pasture uh, bit of pace in the middle um, can't complain about Todd or he, he can get Todd to spend another couple of hundred two three hundred million on a couple of players if he tells them they're the missing link and he has no shame in basically saying you know all those people who were training in the in the corridor outside or, or or changing in the corridor or training on the second pitch fuck them just 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 i don't give a fuck just get some get, get some hire another coach to train a, or put them create a second 11 i don't care he's I, I honestly i think he he he'd be, he'd be a good choice for them and he knows the club he knows the club he knows he doesn't know this club though he doesn't know this club yeah i just i mean i i would i don't get me wrong i'd love to see it because i think that that would end in disaster as well i think conte is far too one-dimensional but even having a terrible season for spurs i mean he was still kicking around the top four he just blew everything up because he needs 400 million every window yeah i'm not really sure um i'm not really sure where this chelsea um thing ends because i don't actually think they've got any idea if you're taking advice from james corden you're you're fucked right you're in deep trouble What's going on? James Corden is advising you on Frank Lampard. And I, look, I don't think the Frank Lampard move was was insanity. I think you're right. He's he's just going to get paid a few million quid and he's going to take the punches. But I don't I don't know who takes over that job moving forward because I think if you're an up and coming manager, you don't want to ruin your career. And the big question I have, Matt, as well. Um, but, it's that, just... but, but, but you know, that's always I've just always found that argument a bit stupid. Uh, I'm not saying you're stupid. I'm saying that argument is a bit stupid because Which I think one? there's some the one about you'd have to be stupid to take that job because I've never seen anyone turn down massive opportunities because of things structurally not being perfect to their liking when they're offered vast amounts of money and resources to deliver it. It's like if someone said, Matt, would you like to be president of the united states i'm not going to say well i've got absolutely no idea or no experience to do it i'm just going to say yes uh <laughs> that's what you do right you just go hell yeah i'll do it and so the idea that i think opportunities only come around once or you can only guarantee they're going to come around once and if you get the opportunity to move to a premier team which chelsea is in world football and you get that opportunity, I think. And, you know, you've probably got a bit of an ego to start with. I think it's very difficult to not go, it's going to be different different for me. I think that's just human nature. Oh, well, I think I can handle it. I think I can do it differently. They told me this that they didn't tell the other people. And I just... I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm 100%. I think, um, I think Arteta was chased down by Newcastle and Everton before... Oh, well, before the second time Arsenal came back, they were certainly sniffing around. I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm, I think I think managers are picky about clubs uh, because you can have a re- reputation ruined. I mean, like Pochettino left Spurs. I mean, it was a bit of a low, but he did get a you know a, a club that doesn't win trophies to a Champions League final. He's gone to Paris. He hasn't had a good time in Paris, and he doesn't get an offer from Chelsea. Uh, they go for Frank Lampard. And Spurs don't give him an offer. And he's living in London at the moment. Is that because he's a bad manager? Or is that because he got made to look small by Paris? 
I think there might be some personal reasons behind that. You think? Mm. You know, you know, <laughs> you know. Dish the goss. Um, all right, let's um, let's talk about another club that's in crisis at the moment. West Ham United. They're in a bit of a relegation battle, Matt. Everything went wrong for David Moyes when he rolled out a big team against Arsenal instead of thinking about that Frankfurt game that he lost last season. Uh, David Moyes has started to look like a dated manager this year. Um, he rested players against Ghent tonight, away from home, the Belgian Minnows in the Conference League, and West Ham drew. So they've been thinking about Ghent all week, and they drew. There were rested players, but they were, you know, Declan Rice started. Um, Matt, what, what do you make of uh, this mishap? Um, it, does it matter heading into the Arsenal game, or is this kind of like, oh, wow, now they've got Ghent at home on the mind for next week? I don't think anyone's thinking about Genk at home when they're <laughs> before the big Arsenal game. <laughs> no, no. I, don't, I mean, if you just think, you know, you've got the biggest game against the league leaders coming to town, London derby, you know, packed, and then you've got Belgian minnows. I don't think you're thinking to yourself, let's keep a bit of, let's keep something in the tank today so we can really make a name for ourselves amongst all those Belgian fans. No, I don't, I don't think I don't think that. I think I'm very, Listen, very. You you get he's got they're the second favourites for the Europa Conference. You get there, you get to the Europa final next year. Thirty five million in the bank. Maybe you keep your job. You don't think David Moyes is thinking about that? I don't you think, think maybe he'll rest players for Arsenal now. I don't think he'll rest players for Arsenal. I think the I think I think the Premier League is so important to everyone, and I think you know you can't. If he accepts that West Ham are going to drop points or doesn't believe that West Ham can get a point at home against Arsenal, he will lose his job because the fans will not accept that. West Ham fans won't say, oh, well, we should give Arsenal a bye because they're so much better than us. No, because they know that it, they, it's well within their ability to bloody our noses and get a result. I mean, what they drew with... They, they were 2 0 up against West Ham last uh, against Manchester City at the end of last season. Nearly put a dent in their title hopes before an incredible comeback. Um, I, don't, I don't know if they came, I can't remember if they came back and drew or won. Um, but yeah, they've got they've got enough there to cause to do some to do some damage. I, I was at uh, the uh, whatever that fucking stadium's called last year when we won two one. It was a tough game, you know, uh, Gabriel with a corner, but it was. Very, very nervy. Similar stage to the season as, as this. But that was a very, very, very tricky game to negotiate. And I remember coming out of there going, wow, we did really, really well to, to get through that. Now, West Ham aren't having as good a season this year as they, are, as they were last, but it's, it's not easy. Well, listen, I think they're going to have Ghent on their minds. But they are <laughs> only three points off the drop zone. It's incredible. They, they, sit, in, um, they sit in 14th. And 18th is just three points behind. I mean, uh, I, I, w- I wonder if more than I wonder if 40 points is going to be safe this season. Um, I think it's going to be tricky. I think, um, I mean, uh, without, without making it all about Chelsea, I was looking at Chelsea's run in and thinking that they could get sucked into a relegation battle. <laughs> it sounds so crazy, but I think they've got. Well, we're looking at the league table there, Chelsea. I mean, I, I don't think they're getting sucked into a relegation battle. Well, they've got 39 points. It was more because of the fixtures they've got left. 
because I looked right. at their fixtures and they've got us, they've got Manchester City, they've got Brighton, they've got Manchester United, uh, and it's sandwiched in with a uh, with a Champions League game against Real Madrid. So it's 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 a terrible one. But West Ham, I think there's normally one surprise team. So I'm wondering whether it could be a Wolves, uh, could be a West Ham, could be a Leeds. Um, those three, I think, could one of those three. There's, there's normally a surprise one, and the rest we've been talking about all season. Um, so, so, who do yeah. you want to see relegated? I mean, I, I've got a soft spot for Southampton, um, even though they're a bit of a bogey team for us. I think they're a, a decent club, nice club. I've got a couple of friends who are Southampton fans, so I don't really want them to go down. I don't mind Leicester either. Um, um, I think I always just think I, I like it when the, when the worst teams go down. So I think I'd want Forest to go down. I don't really, I don't really have any feeling for Nottingham Forest. I think Bournemouth. Um, I'd like to go down, um, and then I might have to say Everton just because of our results there the last two seasons and getting diced just a bit of a. Don't if you do that to me, we will we will get you relegated. You fucking asshole. I would love to see Dyche go down with Everton. Uh, I want to see Nottingham Forest out of there for sure, and I, I want to send. I want to send Bournemouth back. I like I like Southampton, Leicester. Um, I like what Wolves have done, um, yeah. even though you know their ownership is a is a bit interesting. Um, it would, and I, I think Palace. Palace just feel like they're they're part of the part of the tapestry of the Premier League these days. So I'm not sure I want to see them go down. All right, Matt, um, we've we've powered through this, um, but we can do an AOP, AOB. Do you have an AOB this week? Oh, I feel like we need to give City a bit of time. Um, oh, yeah, we can talk about City. Yeah, let's because, talk about City uh, as your AOB. Yeah, look, um, they're scary right now. Uh, they really are. Um, I was speaking to someone today who said City remind them as the most complete team they've seen since peak Barcelona, uh, you know, uh, which gave me a bit of the jitters. Um, Haaland, someone also told me today, I've been talking a lot of football, uh, that Haaland has grown two centimetres since he joined Manchester City. I don't know if that is a true statistic, but uh, it's a very strange statistic. <laughs> and I'm not quite sure what part of his body has grown. What are they putting in the water? <laughs> Oh my word! But but he does seem to be getting bigger. <laughs> it's like the guy's an absolute fucking robot. He's just a machine, isn't he? Um, so it's scary, and I think it's quite easy to get psychologically damaged by watching them at the moment. Um, but I think he's yeah, now, they it's could... true. He's now six foot five. <laughs> really, he's grown. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's like. Insane, isn't it? Um, but but I think we just need to keep calm. It's just going to be so unlikely to end the season with whatever, 17, 18 consecutive wins. Um, they're going to have to drop points. Um, so I think we've just got to like keep our wits about us. I hope the club aren't paying too much attention to City. I hope they're feeling slightly shielded from it. I hope we're not um, watching them and feeling intimidated by them. Um, and that, that you know the club psychologists are doing work because 
Yeah, I'm 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 feeling a little bit scared watching them. I don't know about you. Is that, am I uh, am I right to be scared? I but I I don't know whether a best team since Barcelona or most complete. Listen, I don't care what anybody says. They're 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 behind us in the Premier League. Why are we not being spoken about uh, like that? That you you watched Bayern Munich. I mean, they tactically outsmarted. Um, they tactically outsmarted City for a large chunk of that game. And I, I think that there have definitely been parts of this season where you're like, City just don't seem at it. I mean, uh, just after Christmas, people were genuinely asking if Erling Haaland makes City worse. And now they're the most complete team. I, I don't think I'm having it. I so, think that... So I've think, got a question, right? Because right. Um, so Mourinho, right? I always feel like Mourinho was a manager who... And I think he said it. He said it's all like winning football matches is about eliminating mistakes. It's the team that makes the least mistakes wins, and that's why he was quite happy to ha- let other teams have the ball. Um, and the thing that scares me a little bit about Manchester City is how few mistakes they make and how much they pounce on the opposition's mistakes. Because, like you, I thought that Bayern Munich were the better team against Manchester City, and then. They weren't winning a lot. But it felt to me like Bayern Munich played a very similar game to the one that Arsenal would play, which is great tactical setup, great start, undone by a moment of magic, and then fell apart slightly with a couple of individual errors when the pressure just sort of just got sort of slightly cracked by pressure. Uh, and I'm interested. I mean, Bayern Munich, I think 538 say they're the second best team in Europe at the moment behind Man City. Um, so I'm interested. Like, could you see similarities in the way that we would approach it? And and do you think that they make the least mistakes in the Premier League? Not the best team, but the, the least mistakes. I don't know. I mean, every time I've watched City this season, I've always thought, wow, they've teams are getting at them. Teams have been getting in behind. Um, you don't get a lot of chances, but you know Southampton were getting in behind Manchester City for large chunks. Um, I, I think, I think like pound for pound, they probably are the best team in the Premier League. But I think that w- I think what's going to weigh them down is the fixture list. They're gonna they're gonna beat Bayern Munich. They're not going to rest players against them. The best the um, the best that they can hope for is that they score an early goal and can take off their key players early. But I think the fixture list is going to get ahead of that. I think they're almost going to be too successful this season. And even if if we can just if, if we can get a draw and we can escape with um un, like w- without losing or getting hammered, um, I think the longer the season goes on for them, and it is going to be a long season for them because I think they're getting to the Champions League final, the harder it's going to be. And I think we've seen time and time again, when City play three games a week, they really start to slow down. And I think there's going to be some difficult games in there. I think Brighton could do some damage. I think Brentford could do some damage. There's some team fighting for their lives down there. But the key one is everybody thinks they're going to absolutely murder Arsenal. Everybody. Even the most buoyant of Arsenal fan is saying we're going to get murdered by City. And I think that's a good place to be. As, as, a, as a great man once said, never underestimate the Arsenal. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, it's true. It's true. I think it's just um, our confidence. The fans' confidence took a bit of a beating. 
Um, I think it's slowly recovering as the week's gone on. I, I, I don't know about you, but on Monday I felt pretty low um, about it. And then, you know, I've seen people talking about it. I think some people have done some rewatches of it and said, actually, you know, when you can watch it and take the emotion out of it, it's it was actually, they had a lot of the ball, Liverpool. They didn't do it that much with it in the second half. And it's just a bit frustrating. We just couldn't hold on for a few more minutes. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I think we we just want this league so much, and we we just it's just it's just intimidating to come up against Manchester City. But I I have been saying that I think that if we beat Southampton, we beat West Ham, the psychological advantage really swings back in our favour because it means we go to the Etihad, and you know we're nine clear because of the quirk of the fixture list, and I know they have games in hand. But to go and turn up and walk out on that pitch before the game with five games to go after that, nine points clear in the Premier League, I think that puts all the pressure on Manchester City. And then if they, if we were to go 1-0 up, I think it, it might just be too much for them. That's the way I'm looking at it. I think it's how do you tip the pressure on and use the fixtures to our competitive advantage. That's how I see us navigating this because... Then suddenly you come out of it, even if it's if it's a if it's a draw, but you're then you know you're still nine clear, uh, and you only got five games to go. And yes, they've got more, but that that's that's a really really quite a good place to be. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think I think if we get a draw, I think we win the Premier League. I think if we get a win, I think Man City might give up. I think they might give up. I think they'll put all of their energy and all of their focus into winning the FA Cup and the Champions League. And the the Champions League is Pep's priority. doesn't matter what anybody says. Everyone's like, no, the league's his priority. No, it's not. He's won the league. He hasn't won the Champions League. He's got to win the Champions League with Manchester City so he can quit. Um, But I think it's going to be difficult. Um, I I don't think the Champions League is going to be difficult for him. I think the Premier League will be difficult if they lose to Arsenal. And come on, at some point, at some point, there's got to be a moment where we roll City. They're the last. They're the last team that we haven't really done. All right, I've got two questions for you. Right. These are, this is like one of those really like annoying, uh, uh, weird questions. We love Mikel Arteta. You know, the guy's a genius. He's Arsenal, blah, blah, blah. Would you swap Mikel Arteta for Pep Guardiola? No. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm all about... I, I, I think we're on the ascension. I mean, it wouldn't be a bad swap. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it wouldn't be a bad swap. But, like, g- give, me, give me the man that's hungry to, to prove his point. Give me the man that's taken um, the youngest team in the Premier League to almost invincible levels of um, eliteness. Give me, give me that guy. Um, Arteta's got it all to prove. Uh, Pep doesn't. I don't even know what Pep does next. He might, he, might take a, he might take an international job next. He's done it all. He doesn't need to prove it to anybody. He might go and take, a, he might go and take the Bolton job to prove to all those idiots that, uh, that he can do it at Bolton as well. It's a bit like, uh, are you, did you watch Ted Lasso? No. Oh, it's, a, it's for all the Ted Lasso fans, it's a bit like Zava going to uh, AFC Richmond, the guy, he's won it all. Uh, so he goes to AFC Richmond. Uh, I, I was staunchly anti-Ted Lasso for as long as I could, and then I was forced by my wife to sit and watch it. And I have to say, it's very, very good. 
and the fact that they're Arsenal fans, the writers, and they get clearly have a bias and have people like Thierry Henry on it, uh, and Ian Wright is is just makes it makes it even better. All right. Well, um, I, I am one episode in. I'm one episode in. So if I if you're telling me I need to carry on, I'll carry on. <clears throat> All right, Matt. Okay, we're coming to the end of the show. That was our first ever late night ship. A few technical issues. Um, yeah, you know, that wasn't but, uh, great, was it? No, but I think I think I think we got into a little bit of a flow later on. If uh, if you've got comments on it, leave it on the YouTube video um, because I think we're going to do this on the regular. It's, it's an easy time for me and Matt where I can go into the pod basement and uh, um, and Matt the pod cave, the pod cave, and uh, and Matt can get his sparkly earphones on. All right, so um, yeah, that was the first one, Matt. Thank you to the fifty-three people that are sitting up late nights because they're insomniacs or they're still thinking about that Liverpool game. Let it go. Let it go and just focus on the weekend. Win our next two games and everyone will be feeling pretty frisky by the time that midweek Man City game comes. And then if we beat Man City, we are cooking. Um, so I will um, get the outro music up. Thank you, man, like Matt Candela. And remember, give us a five-star rating if you haven't already. And we will see you live on the whistle this weekend for the big one against West Ham United. Ciao for now. Ciao for now. Podcast Network.